Hey, how's it going? I'm Blake Crow, and this is episode one of the What My Mom Thinks I Do podcast. Hey, what's up? Blake Crow here, or at BankTaxBlake if you're looking for me on Twitter. And thanks for checking out today's episode of the What My Mom Thinks I Do podcast. Today, I have Tim and Carl of Northern Plains Lumber of Beersford, South Dakota, sharing their experience of having gone from employees to business owners. In the episode, they'll cover tons of great topics, including the process of making their idea a reality and the need to be fearless in that process, assembling their support team of professionals, obtaining financing to actually get the deal done, having the mindset of an owner, which may include some rather interesting conversations about toilet paper, how they've leveraged technology to make their business stand out, and a really cool story about just picking up the phone and asking for insight and the willingness of others to help out. With that, here's the interview. Hey guys, and welcome to the first episode of our podcast here, What My Mom Thinks I Do. Uh, today, I have with us our guests uh, Carl Sirk and Tim Doyle from Northern Plains Lumber. And I think we'll start off, I'll just let you guys, Carl, if you want to go first, uh, maybe go ahead and introduce yourself, a little background, um, and if you want to give a little spiel about your company and what it is that you guys do. Uh, yep, my name's Carl Sirk, originally from Hudson, South Dakota. Uh, I attended Augustana College, um, and from there I went on to be a manufacturer's rep and then on to, uh, I guess, the retail side in the lumber business uh, and ended up purchasing Northern Plains Lumber. Uh, we supply building materials to residential and commercial contractors. Anything in a building, I guess we can supply. We do specialize in certain areas, uh, roofing, siding, insulation, uh, and then lumber as well. All right. And Tim, what's your background in the industry then? I spent uh, 33 years as a manufacturer's rep. And so Carl and I have a similar background from that standpoint. I was general manager of uh, a local lumberyard chain called Homestead Building Supply and did that for about five and a half, six years. And I think for both of us, we just were tired of traveling we love South Dakota. We don't want to be anywhere else. And our steps in our career would have, careers would have taken us a long way away from this area. So by really owning this lumberyard, we have two locations, one in Harrisburg and one down in Beersford. We're able to uh, live where we want to live, deal with the people that we've known our whole lives, and really help people with the products that we know very, very well. Awesome. And I suppose we probably buried our lead a little bit in that this is a company, at least the locations that you guys now own, that you guys had both worked for for a number of years, that you guys recently went through the process of, of purchasing. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. These were two locations of Homestead Building Supply, and Carl was um, really our head sales person with Homestead, and I was the manager of all the locations. Uh, Homestead is owned by Dean and Peg Gilbronson out of Brookings and truly incredibly good people. They want their employees to succeed and I think they saw that we were ready to do something different and they basically helped point us in the direction, maybe pushed would be a better way to say it, (laughs) into uh, buying these two locations and 
they did really incredible people. Awesome. And actually, this brings me to the next thing I want to do before we move on is this is actually the first time that I've seen you guys both together in person uh, since you completed the transaction. So I actually have. Um, so I don't know. I hope I, I know for sure Tim will enjoy this. Um, so the, I have a bottle of, of Templeton Rye for both of you guys. Wow. And and if this was if this was a more established podcast, this would be the part where I had to disclaim that like we weren't sponsored, but that it's a product that I use at home and love and enjoy. Uh, and that second part is true. I do I do use and love and enjoy the product at home. So there's there's a bottle for both of you guys. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah. And uh, and I know I know Tim. You know you you said that once you hit one clock this afternoon uh, you know that you uh, could break into that baby anytime you wanted so i do have i do have glasses of ice in the freezer if you if you get a little parched uh, during the interview today you'll just have to let me know we can break into there the so the podcast could get interesting if we yeah. dig into this now well and mostly because i i would be ready because i've been on the computer since about 5 a.m this morning and i barely made it to this this podcast, I was happy to get off, and I'll be quivering with anticipation. Actually. Yeah, perfect. So <laughs> it's one of my favorites. So I hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. Um, you know, one of the first questions I want to move into is is I feel like you know having having worked uh, you know for different jobs my entire life. You know, I feel like there's this old cliche. You know, people are sitting around having a beer on Friday after work, and it's and it's kind of the old statement of, well, if I owned this place, I would do X, Y, and Z, or if I owned it. And you know, I think that's a really common thing for people to throw out there. Um, just if I if I owned this place, I would do things different. If I owned this place, I would do this. Um, and so, so for you guys, how did the process work of maybe having maybe those initial thoughts of, well, if I owned this place, I'd maybe do things a little different from, from being a reality where it's all of a sudden like, this might be something that we could possibly do or possibly pursue. Um, when does it become real for you? When, when then it becomes more of just uh, a wish or a dream? Um, I guess not to speak for you too, but I- of course, everybody says that, well, if I ran it, I'd, I'd do things differently. And, and I'm sure Tim and I said things like that as well, but it wasn't really a reality until I'd say Dean and Peg kind of made it a reality. Uh, I didn't think it was possible. There was a significant expense. I didn't know if either one of us could afford to do that. And they kind of sat us down and, and talked through some of the things. And then we actually sat down with you uh, very, very early on in the stage of this process. And you kind of shed a lot of light on whether or not this was a reality also. And that that's when it kind of became real for me. I'd also add, I think, for both of us, after you've worked for somebody your whole life, and, that's, and neither one of us were really brought up from an entrepreneurial bent, um, I think we were both happy with doing what we were doing. But the reality that and, and kind of the Yahoo moment when you realize, boy, I could do this, um, did come from the previous owners who are very much entrepreneurial people. And even then, we didn't, uh, we didn't really think in terms of we would be able to just rush into it. The planning, I'm, a, I'm very methodical from a planning standpoint. And... To talk to different professionals, not just uh, accounting, but lawyers and finance people, and try to bring all that back, really, that's when my uh, Yahoo moment came. Uh, I realized, well, not only can we do this, we're going to be very good at it. Uh, We're doing the jobs that we always have done. So from that standpoint, I don't see... 
any real change in our day-to-day work activity. Uh, I got up this morning at about four and was working by five. I did that when I worked for Dean and Peg, and I did that when I worked as a manufacturer. So if you there's a bit more paperwork. There's a lot <laughs> yeah. more paperwork. Yeah. There's probably the biggest difference that yeah. I didn't even think about is uh, if you're in sales, you kind of avoid paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> and so we both were. I was a regional manager, so I kind of was more on the man- management side. But at the end of all of that, uh, if you got a good work ethic to begin with and you know your profession, and I guess I saw that my whole career, you should do what you know. And then it's, it, there's not a lot of fear. Maybe we're not that smart about it, but <laughs> we, for me, I, I had really no fear. You know, it was, I knew that uh, we live in a, in a place that building has consistent, been very consistent for 30 years. I mean, there's ups and downs, but not like if you lived in Boston or Minneapolis or Chicago. And so the economy is helpful in South Dakota from that respect. And people here are so genuine. Uh, we're really the only in, well, we're one of the only independent retailers selling into the Sioux Falls market. Um, and I think that's a real advantage, so that helped too. I think you touched on something there that that we talk about internally a lot as accountants because you know whenever we look at a, at a, at a deal like this or, or we analyze something, us as you know whether you're the accountant or the attorney on a deal, our, our job is to to look for all of the downfalls, right? All of the bads, and then so we have a little bit of a jaded view on the world almost because we look at everything that could possibly go wrong because that's our job to relay that information to you guys. And I think you're exactly right in in the fearless aspect and and. and you know, to be an entrepreneur, that's really what it means. It means that you have, you know, maybe you, maybe you uh, don't take in any advice or you take in advice from people like us whose job it is to go out and find all the things that, that could go wrong and you say, okay, thanks, uh, we understand that and, and we're still going to, you know, s- tighten up our shoestrings and swing for the fences. So, I mean, that's awesome. The other thing that I guess both of us, the, the, the lack of fear is the company wasn't, the company we purchased was not broken by, by any means. It, the existing employees that we kept, all of them, kept all of the existing employees are a great group of people, a great hardworking group of people that go above and beyond on everything they do. Uh, and so we just kind of were given a, a great opportunity and are, I guess are just expanding on that. So that, that was reassuring that we weren't buying a company that was going the wrong direction. We just bought a company that was starting to roll and we're just bringing it to the next level. Sure. You know, another thing that, that you touched on in your response there, Tim, that kind of leads right into to one of my next questions. Um, this may not be a, a term that you guys are familiar with, but it's one that comes up in our industry a lot, and I think that you might recognize it once I explain it, is, is kind of this concept of what we call DIY entrepreneurs. And this is kind of the advent that we see more and more, um, you know, and when you kind of read and partake in entrepreneurial kind of environments, there's there's 
a lot more thinking now than any time before of, you know, with the advent of things like QuickBooks and TurboTax and LegalZoom and all of these things where I could go out and, and, and get these solutions and, you know, just pay very minimal to get a boilerplate template off the internet and do it myself and I'm sure I can do it right. I mean, that's a very common thing that you see among, um, you know, entrepreneurs trying to get something off the ground these days is, and, and as you alluded to, you know, you guys, you guys did utilize various service professionals throughout this journey. You know, was that DIY route, uh, trying to strike it out and, you know, get legal docs off the internet from somewhere like illegal zoom, things like that. Was that really anything that ever crossed your guys' mind? Or did you know from the beginning that, that you wanted to, to assemble a team of professionals to help you? We talked to people that knew more about what we were doing than we did. I and think that's that, a key too. You know, we we uh, we thought we knew what the company could be or the situation that we were trying to get into. Uh, we just needed, frankly, people smarter than us to, to reassure us that that was the case. I told uh, a friend of mine that I was going to be doing this, and he said, why would you want to do that? You're going to retire. You could retire whenever you wanted to. And, I, well, it just never really occurred to me to retire. But I also, you know, I, I guess if I had a fear was what Carl just said, there are things that I I know that I know. I mean, I know this business. I know how to run a business because I've been doing it for a very long time. I know the customers. I know the people. But I've never run a business. I mean, I've never run my own business. And so he said, well, that's ridiculous because all you got to do is call someone. And it, it did cross our mind to go to uh, like a packaged contract place and, because it's cheap. I mean, you'd be a little bit remiss if you didn't at least consider it. The problem is it becomes very, very expensive when you don't set up the company correctly, when you purchase the wrong form, and I can tell you, as a business owner now, uh, time is such a precious commodity for both of us. I don't have time to fill out similar forms two or three or four times. And each time, maybe the form is cheap, 50, 60 bucks or whatever it costs. Because actually, we never even got to that point. It really was more a matter of uh, we have at our fingertips some pretty powerful minds and people that that we know and in uh, and people we didn't know but just have good reputations that was the key to the kickoff and I would tell you that almost every time I had to make a gut decision like we set up three companies and what I was walking into into your office for the first time I knew how that was going to be because, Lord, I've been in this business for 30-some years. I know how that works. <laughs> we'd have been in big trouble if we'd have done it the way I thought. <laughs> and I, For you, it was just, uh, you know your business as well as we know ours. And I would say the, the lawyers, it's the same. Uh, I, we dealt with some incredibly knowledgeable banking people. Uh, Sioux Falls is... I would say, depending on which side of the fence you're on, either horribly competitive for bankers or uh, incredibly good for consumers. But really, there's almost too many choices. But those choices become really clear 
when you sit down and start talking to the people that are going to actually be working with with you because you need those legal partners a financial partner and someone like like you Blake that can help on the accounting side if you don't have that it's uh, very difficult not only to start but to to grow well, I, I certainly appreciate that. I mean, I think that that's, you know, that's you talk about, you know, your your goals and ambitions and passions and going into work every day. And I mean, that's that's certainly ours and, and mine particularly. Right. I mean, I mean, getting to getting to bring you guys in and work with you and help you guys achieve that. Um, you know, we we hope that we bring more value uh, to the process than being able to buy a form off the internet or, or to get something filed. And so, you know, I certainly appreciate those comments because at the end of the day, um, one, that's not only what we do and are intended to do, but I mean, also that's obviously, I had an, I had an extreme amount of fun with you guys in the process. I mean, I don't, I don't know what could be more fun than coming to work every day, helping two guys, you know, you know, not to speak for you too much, but, you know, hopefully accomplish their dreams in, in owning a company that's going to be a legacy for them for the rest of their lives. I mean, I don't know what could be more fun than that. So at least, at least if you're an accounting nerd, so. Even as you're, even as you're say, saying that, it's funny is where our biggest thing was coming in. God, are we going to be able to pay this guy? <laughs> <laughs> but, and that's something even to t- touch on in this whole thing. I don't. We. I don't think you, any of us, even either one of us, really realized that we did have it within our wherewithal to start a business. And it. It. You don't have to have millions and millions of dollars. You have to have some assets, and you have to have people that believe in you. And if actually this goes right to what that question was, because we approach this from a team standpoint. We were viewed as, I believe, professionals when we talked to bankers, when we talked to you, whoever. I mean, it wasn't, uh, we were doing pro forma income statements and, you know, really that base set us apart, I think, from the guy that walks in and wanted to open maybe another lumberyard and really didn't do their homework and was trying to open up with... uh, as low bid as possible, you know, so. I sat in on some of those meetings with the banks with you, and I mean, I remember we walked in, um, we had developed a plan together ahead of time, we presented it to the bank, and and as opposed to saying, you know, we need X million dollars, please give us money, we laid out, you know, here's what it looks like, here's how we're going to pay you back, here's the plan, here's exactly what we need and why, and I think you're exactly right, Tim, in that the, not, the, the direct feedback from the banks was, oh, you know, there was just an instant elevated level of trust and belief there because of the amount of detail, you know, that you guys went through ahead of time to go in and, and, and begin that process. And I think you're exactly right that, you know, all of that legwork on the front end certainly more than paid off in what you guys were able to achieve from, you know, obviously not just a financing, but just an overall business plan, I believe. When you talk about even going after money, what it, it became clear to me at first it was, I wonder who will lend us money. Then, as we got further into the process, it was, who do we want to partner with? And we, we talked to, I'll bet you, 10 banks. And, uh, and that's another really good thing to remember. We got turned down, you know, really early in the process. 
in fact, we never even were, we never were allowed even to present because some banks don't deal with lumberyards. They don't understand the business and they're specialists in whatever businesses they know. And so once we kind of figured out which banks were dealing with other lumberyards, then it got easier. And then it really came down to who is it that we want to do business with? And that does really does go back to the prep, I think. Mm-hmm. So, so how would you describe, um, you know, maybe Carl, I'll start with you. Just and I know we've we've kind of touched on it maybe indirectly a number of times, but just the learning curve from you know when you have that moment of maybe this is something we want to go go after through you know the day when you're signing the papers. What does that learning curve look and feel like? Uh, well, Tim alluded to this earlier. We prior to to meeting with you and some of the banks, you know, we we both had this perfect plan hmm. and and everything you know, mapped out and written down how we thought it was going to work. And it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And within 10 minutes of sitting down with you, you redesigned our entire uh, plan. And both of us kind of said, geez, wow, that does make sense. I mean, we would have never looked at it from from that point of view. And so I'd say the learning curve for me, at least, was uh, big. Um and, and going back to one of our first conversations, that's kind of why we put ourselves in front of the people who were better at this stuff than, than we were, and, and that really kind of guided us down the right path. You know, it's I, my experience with business people, and I've always been in a B2B situation with customers, you know, my entire career. And typically, if you're a builder and you're, wanting to start your own business, you'll, uh, you're probably a really good builder. That doesn't necessarily mean you know about business. I would say that Carl and I were, were, did a good job and we were valued employees as manufacturers reps for different companies and working even for Homestead. I mean, I know we were valued employees there. We know products. We know what, what builders need and really what homeowners are trying to accomplish that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be good business people and so carl's right that financial plan that we kind of laid out even you know from a structure standpoint was so off base that it it scared me that's the only time blake that i had it that really i thought what because what i truly believed the corporate structure should be was would have been illegal just because of how the tax you pay taxes and how you own different items and i mean it was oh that's the only time dealing on our day-to-day it's that's the job we've always done and i think we're both learning new things constantly a a little bit of a learning curve for me on the day-to-day stuff not i guess you wouldn't call it a learning curve but your point of view day one changed for me immediately yeah I wasn't looking at things as a salesperson trying to close a sale. I was looking at things from a salesperson and an owner and someone who sees the financials and trying to manage a budget and trying to, you know, not spend. So that that was the day you guys went from double ply to single ply toilet paper? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Is that what you mean? That kind of thing? That's not even a joke. (laughs) 
That's the truth. I gave Tim one job to go to Costco and get toilet paper, and he came back with stuff that the gas station has nicer toilet paper. (laughs) But, but I mean, I think that, that, I mean, you know, prior to that day of signing those papers and now that becoming your thing, I mean, is that any, that, you know, obviously that's always kind of the typical joke example, but things like that, I mean, do they ever even cross your radar as an employee when you're, when you're, you know, in your day-to-day activities, having to think about things like that. I, th- yeah, I I think for both of us it did because, and I think that's a Midwestern thing too. We already were so conservative sure. in our approach from uh, a financial standpoint. Uh, otherwise, we'd have to explain to our parents, you know, why, uh, you know, my parents are really old. Well, your parents are really old too, if they happen to be listening. Uh, at the end of the day, this is how we were brought up. So some of the stuff, there was it wasn't a huge smack okay i will say like sales guys don't pay much attention to what happens after they get the sale sure and so one big thing that i know Carl's run into and which i have had already gone through this learning curve when i moved out of sales into management is that you place the order now you got to figure out how to get it there and our number one goal is to enhance our customers businesses it's there are plenty of places to buy building materials there aren't that many places that in in the lumber industry that you can sit down with real building professionals that have the experience levels that carl and i have and other people on our staff and we our goal is to make an impact on their bottom line the price of building materials is competitive across really the entire region if anybody looks at a bid and there's a 10 or 15 percent difference between one to another there probably was a mistake made or there's just a completely different type of product and so we're all pretty good at all of our competitors are pretty good at at bidding and figuring all that out so then why does someone buy from you uh because you can help them grow their business not a lot different than what you do because it's we could choose any accounting firm, and there are plenty of very good ones. At the end of it, uh, you have to have a level of trust with who you're dealing with. And really, when you're sitting down talking to, to whoever it is that you're talking to, that person, you have to walk away knowing that that guy is going to uh, positively impact your bottom line and your business. Otherwise, we would just be really good product people and not in business next year. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're exactly spot on. I mean, when you were talking about, you know, a competitive environment and, you know, helping to add to your customers' bottom lines, I think you're, you're spot on that we're in exactly the same position. I mean, it's easy to let accounting, um, especially, you know, tax compliance, having to file a tax return, um, that can be, I always describe it, right, as people view it as a necessary evil. It's it's just part of overhead and something that you have to pay. And and it's our goal, my goal especially, that, that when we work with somebody like you guys that you know we always want to add more value than fees we subtract from the bottom and it sounds like i mean you guys have a very very similar business principle and i think that if you look at the anybody that's going to have long-term success i think you have to um because you're you're exactly right i mean with the transparency in today's world you know pricing is competitive everywhere and you have to and and that's how you differentiate yourself is is how do you how do you help that person be successful so it sounds like we're very similar you know in in model that way so and for us i th- i 
I truly believe that is our competitive advantage. I mean, our, our day-to-day business is not transactional. It's built on relationships and the relationships that our employees have with customers and our and I have with customers and Tim has with customers. And, I mean, on a day-to-day basis, our pricing may be higher than someone else, but they're buying from us because of the relationship that we have built with them. And the product, well, your product as well. It's got to be what is expected, on time, usable, Absolutely. and at the right price. Absolutely. And the right price and is And it's a less. combination of all of those. It's a combination yep. of all of them. But I tell you what, it, you could have, not many people would even take some, not many builders would say a free foundation is worth it if it can't be done for two years. Sure, absolutely. It's got to be on time. So, so one thing, maybe uh, I'll shift gears just a hair, a hair here. Uh, you alluded to a couple of times, obviously, the sellers of the business were very instrumental in the process, were very helpful for you guys, and cheerleaders in the process kind of helped push you guys towards this. But what, if any, unique challenges do you think that you ran across from, from buying a company that you, that you worked for at the time? What, what unique aspects do you think that that brought to the table through the process of buying the company? The time frame from day one when we started having these conversations to the time that we signed the dotted line was a long period of time and we couldn't communicate with employees at the time so it was stressful you know to try and balance kind of two two different worlds that that time frame from start to finish just because of how significant of a purchase this was took longer than I thought it was going to, so that was difficult for me. And how long total was the process from first conversation to signing the papers? Ten months, maybe? All of, I would say almost an ongoing process right up until the last month. One of the other hurdles that we had closer to the closing date was um, we had to implement a new computer system. So we had to interview different companies for what direction we were going to go. Um, The problem that we had is neither Tim, well, more Tim than me on like the billing and invoicing side of the computer system, we're not really involved with that. It's the people in the office. And those are the people that we couldn't discuss this with. So we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants for a while there, trying to figure out what computer system to go with. And then the time from, all right, this is going to happen to closing, that window kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And we had to do a whole changeover between two different computer systems and that was that was probably the most stressful part for me i guess of this well and you you said it and so you're looking at people that you've known i mean i there's employees that work for us that i've known since they were kids and uh you know they know something's up but they don't know what's up and so and, and then you're pressed to make these decisions, like Carl said. And the people that are going to be affected by it every minute of their lives as time moves on, you can't even ask their opinion. Sure. So I, I believe we made the right, right choice, but that's one of the reasons why I was on the computer. Because yeah. we've only had this system now a month and a half. We made the right choice on the computer system, thank goodness. I think that that's one thing in most transactions that I work with that I think comes as a surprise to a lot of people is the complexity and the cost of computer systems and just how integral it is 
to your overall business. You know, Carl, I think I think we had some conversations a, a week or two ago when we were talking about if the system isn't right, you know, you can be out selling things and doing your job to a T, which was maybe to Tim's point a little earlier, maybe it was the end of your process, right? Maybe you have an order and you send it in and that goes the next person in the process is involved potentially. And now, I mean, you probably... And you can tell me if this is fair, but I mean, you probably have a greater appreciation for just how important that system is to the your daily operations, and almost in today's world, difficult to function without an a system up and running. Oh, for sure, for sure. There's also way, way more detail than I ever would have imagined. It's security, absolutely. So we, I really believe the system that we chose is probably one of the biggest competitive advantages that we have in this market. We have the ability to do business online. So in other words, a customer can get on our system and order whatever load they want for the next day. They can check their bills. They can really, as our partners, they have full access to actually everything within our system. So from a security standpoint, uh, we have to be real careful. So we chose a true cloud-based system sure. because then we we and our customers don't have to worry about any uh, hacking into our system because, you know, we're in little town America. Uh, we've got some good computer people around, but nobody that's going to program, and we couldn't afford it. Anyway, we can, you know, even our firewalls are going to be off the shelf. And so that system allows that flexibility to allow our customers in and us to store information and they don't have to worry about breaches. So for you, I mean, somebody who has a number of years in the industry, and maybe this is unfair, but, you know, from the outside perspective, I think of I think of the lumber industry as being, you know, a low-tech industry, right? Like boards and nails, like like what could be what could be more low-tech than that? And so so for you to hear even hear yourself say that, like how surprising is that to talk about, you know, us being in the cloud and having the capabilities and having to worry about things like cybersecurity, you know, as the owner of a lumber business? I think for me personally, I was fortunate in that I worked for these huge companies that their technology grew. I was basically forced to learn back from back in the days when we didn't even have a cell phones to today where my cell phone is, is, is a computer. And so I was probably more open than most, whereas Carl, his, his generation, you know, it's always a little bit of a joke because it's just inherent, the items that he knows that I still have to ask him. The beauty of this in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, you're right, and not just here, Minneapolis and in Chicago. These big, huge, huge companies, uh, they're not upgrading their computer systems because they can't, because it's so expensive that if they did, it would, it would almost bankrupt. So when you are at a local box store or a, a, a major lumberyard chain, and you happen to see that the the computer screen is blue, for example, I can tell you that that probably was designed in the 80s. And that's almost every single system out there. And so we're, from our perspective, we're the little guy. We fight those people every single day. And frankly, they're going deer hunting with a BB gun, and we're going with a scope and a high-power rifle. 
And I'll tell you what, that's real power. When a guy can sit on a job site and give a price and order it from his phone, that's speed and uh, flexibility that no one else in town has. Yeah, that's so interesting because, you know, in so many other businesses that I work in, that would almost be counterintuitive, right? So, for example, I I work in the financial services industries quite a bit, and we look at, so, for example, banks. And, and you look at, like, uh, the mobile apps that banks have and the large mega banks, you know, they have so much more money to invest in technology. Um, and as you get to your smaller local community banks, it becomes harder, you know, and, and the technology becomes a little bit less robust, if you will. Whereas now you believe that for you, you guys, as a smaller business, you think that that actually creates an amount of nimbleness, that that creates an advantage for you. Well, Carl, you have a customer that we probably wouldn't have gotten, except we have the ability to do an ACH, basically take money out of their account where no one's touching checks, no one's touching any paper. Uh, we send out statements, and I would... Uh, tell you in the beginning reams of paper oh yeah yeah the second time half the amount of paper and i will tell you the third time probably will be another half and we don't mind accommodating anybody that you know isn't interested in technology it's just i i'm reassured further even that we made the right choice in our system because of how many people just are they just do yeah, I remember I was at a conference one time and we were having a similar discussion about technology and, and somebody said, well, all of my, you know, all of my customers are rural farmers. They're not really interested in technology. You know, they're, they're, that's just not their thing. And somebody made like probably the most astute comment I think I'd ever heard. And it was, well, have you been in a tractor lately? Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of probably looks more like flying an airplane. Everything than driving can be running a with an iPad and Yeah. So, else and- so I think that, you know, that's just such an astute thing to realize that, you know, while it may be, while the easy thing might be to say, you know, well, our customers are, are builders, our construction people or whatever, and, and you know, maybe they're uh, stereotyped as being less into technology, you know, to to not have that stereotype in mind, to be able to go offer them those things, you know, I think probably that's created, ex- created that's business exactly for you guys. It is they've never been offered it before. So they've, but I, I've been finding everyone, I t- not everyone, most of the people I talk to, when you can offer them e-statements or uh, electronic quotes. Um, uh, If they need an invoice, it can be sent immediately to them. When something is delivered, instead of them calling you, asking you, hey, was this delivered? They get a notification saying, yep, this is is here at this address. Um, And there's other aspects of the program that we haven't even touched yet that they can send them a picture of where the material's at. Our delivery guys can take a photo and that's attached to the invoice. They know it's there, Um, but They've never been offered this before, and so some of them are going to push back and say, "No, I still want my, I still want my hard copy." You know, I I don't use computers. I don't, I don't use email. Um, and those guys, That's we okay. have the ability to to keep it the way it always has been. When you guys, you know, initially decided that you were going to purchase the company, did you know that that technology was going to become such a big aspect for you and become an, an advantage, or was that merely something that evolved once you kind of took control over? I I think. Uh, the initial conversations of, well, if I ran this company, I would do things differently. That was one of the primary things that both of us said we would do that differently. Um, the program that we were running before was so archaic, we couldn't email from it. We couldn't do several things that we wanted to do. It was a very powerful program. Um, we just couldn't do some of the 
higher tech things that we felt we should be able to do. We couldn't do basic business as it's done today with that system. The system is the probably the biggest software provider in the lumber business in the United States. It's one of the most common commonly used systems and it's very expensive. Well, you know, once you've made that investment, you can't change. And when Carl and I kind of decided we were going to start even investigating when we were uh, first looking at this 10, 11 months ago, that was I started making phone calls about computer systems almost simultaneously. And so uh, we needed a new computer system. And it took really 10 months, scores and scores of phone calls I made. And I, well, I chose this company and it's worked well. To be honest, you know, these are the conversations that we're having internally as well, and it wasn't really one I was expecting to have today. And so it's it's really interesting to me, you know, when we see, um, you know, technology just coming into so many aspects of life these days, um, that's it's almost unavoidable and can create such huge advantages. And personally, I was unaware, I mean, of, of the advantage that you guys have created for yourself. So to me, that's just like the coolest thing in the world. But you were actually part of it. You, do, I don't think you realize i mean neither one of us we're not accounting people and so if you if you have ten dollars in your pocket and you spend ten dollars you have nothing left and so to be able to amortize a capital expenditure over a long period of time uh you know once you kind of understood how that works we're able to use this system for at least 20 we could literally go the rest of our careers yeah and whatever more we would have paid for this product. And I don't know that we actually did pay necessarily that much more, but let's say we did. I'm sure we paid a premium in some respects. It was cheap. And that, and you helped us understand how that process worked. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, like I said, you know, I didn't even know to the extent that you guys were utilizing technology. So that's really awesome feedback to, to know that those conversations that we had were, were, were able to be, you know, meaningful and, and have that positive impact. So, um, you know, now we've kind of covered a lot of ground, but I think, um, you know, maybe up and through closing um, and then a little bit operationally afterwards. Um, so how, how, long have you, how long have you guys been in ownership now? How long has it been? A few months? Well, since... May 1. Looking back, um, you know, so far, um, you know, everything that you had hoped it would be, glad it made, you made the decision. Some days you wish you could just go back to punching the clock and collecting your check. <laughs> I, I, I don't ever get that feeling. It is, it is stressful at times, but it's also rewarding, too. Um, there's growing pains or starting up pains, I guess, especially with our, you know, our first month of statements. We're the entire company is learning a new computer system. Uh, you're used to doing things one way, and the new system is telling you do it to do it another way. So, um, Tim and I aren't the only ones who've been stressed out. Um, we we took over a company moving into the busiest months of the year, and learning a new computer system. So that that has added some stress, but we're starting to get the hang of things. Employees are starting to um, get the hang of of things as well, and it's. And I don't believe, at least I haven't got any phone calls from any customers, that we've been late on any deliveries, that we've been short on any deliveries. 
that we have, I believe we've performed to expectation or surpassed it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think part of that, what that's done too, is our sales are up. Yeah, and that that was going to be that that was going to be the next point I was going to touch on because you know going back to that very very front end process we went through we put together those projections we put together the analysis and and the whole time through you know Tim I'm sure you remember you were telling me Blake these are conservative this is conservative we could crush these and and in in my head and I'm sure in the banker's head we said this is this is what we hear every day right you know, nobody's ever brought in me a projection and said you know what I juiced this by double and there's no way in hell that we're going to hit this and so so like, okay. And, and I think, you know, to, to your point, I know I had, like I mentioned, I had some conversations with Carl a week or two ago, and, and he alluded the same sentiment. So, I mean, so you guys uh, heading into your busiest time of year, your first, you know, cycle through as owners, I mean, you truly are outpacing projections and, and seeing that success. You know, we're, we're rolling, and it's, uh, like Tim alluded to earlier, I mean, it's, it is our market, though. I mean, this is a very strong market. Um, as far as construction goes. I mean, every year is a record year in Sioux Falls, so we're, we're, we're fully taking advantage of that. Well, and because we're small, we can almost pick the customers we want to deal with. And so that that's pretty helpful. I mean, for us, uh, a large growth would mean nothing to one of the box stores. But we don't need and don't want to be the biggest lumberyard in this area that's not our goal uh we would like to be the best that's really the goal yeah that's awesome and, and maybe this is the accountant in me but anytime we do projections and we put them together right i always put a little little mental box and i go back and you kind of can benchmark people and test against them and so you know to see you be true to your word that they were conservative and you guys outpacing i mean obviously to, to kind of the same as as i said in the beginning i mean to be able to help two guys go out and achieve their their goal and their dream of, of buying and owning a company it's the same thing i mean wanting nothing but to see you guys be successful and to see you do that is 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 just absolutely awesome so well when you're you know i guess what pops in my head when you're saying that i was kind of taught that the worst person you can ever lie to is yourself and it's easy to do yeah and so uh Fortunately, we're both very conservative, conservative thinkers this way. And that's how we approached this yeah. whole process, oh and I Lord. think that's why we... Yeah. Just so we didn't cut our own legs out from the beginning. Because if you have to stretch for the numbers, well, that's when you should be afraid. And we're... The numbers we presented, it was as real, less, and even less. So we knew we could do it. So, yeah, it's... That, that first... 30 days though of business yeah. every single day of the month money was going out money was going out yeah. money was going out and you know our, our, we're not really getting any reports from anything because we haven't been through a billing cycle so that the first 30 days was interesting because neither one of us knew if we had any money or not and you know you you get your your pay stub emailed to you and that's a different feeling you go oh i got paid today well we paid ourselves today so it's just a different feeling you go man i really hope that there's money there to pay myself 
And I think, you know, maybe maybe to your point, Carl, that kind of just brought back some memories to me. I mean, when we, when we were going through, I mean, obviously when you're looking at uh, borrowing from a bank, the way you can structure debt is really almost infinite. And and I know when you guys, the, the package that you guys ended up settling on was really one that was designed to address almost exactly what you're talking about, right? You didn't go with, you know, a, just one big loan or one thing. I mean, it was really kind of a tailored approach kind of back to that team process where I feel like I feel like the bank and your banker were, were extremely instrumental in, in putting together a tier that was going to you know give you guys the liquidity that you needed to be operationally efficient and not have those crunches but also put you in the position to best be able to service that debt and not have this huge thing hanging over your head for the rest of your lives either and so I think that you know that was really an instrumental part of getting that structured almost in that in that near perfect balance was just huge for you guys as well the bank that we ended up going with, they uh, they created a package that allowed us more cash availability through our line of credit and uh, you just using the different financial um, products that are available through their bank and through uh, different organizations throughout the state of South Dakota. That it. <sighs> I think that's a, that should be most people's fear. Will I have enough money to pay my bills? And when we entered uh, our first day of business, I I was not a, I was not worried about being able to pay my bills, and it was because of the package that he put together for us. You know, it comes down in sales. You better know your customer, and this banker knew he got to know us well because I think the process probably. Took, was it three months? Yeah. yeah. About three months of almost weekly meetings uh, and, and constant phone calls between the bank and me or Carl just asking questions. And I suppose they want to make sure, like you did, is, is this for real? You know, are these people really uh, <laughs> really sandbagging their, their overall projection numbers? And I, I, I think that's part of the process, too. Look for the partner that will meet truly your needs, not just what you want. And that's, you know, what you hit on there, that last comment, you know, that might be the most true part of all because, you know, going in, what you want might be, you know, way more than you need. And that's going to, you know, and while it may be what you think you want on day one, you know, on day 365, it might ultimately end up becoming your biggest burden and, and having somebody, you know, walk you through that and getting it to where it needs to be. I think you're right. is just completely imperative to the process. We don't, you know, when you don't know what to do, you do what you know. And with most all of us as consumers, what you know about banks or borrowing money is interest rates. You know, that's one of the least things to look at in the overall decision-making process. Uh, it kind of it goes to whatever you're buying. Like products are going to be competitive. Yeah, just like you said. And so if, if someone is giving an exceptionally low rate that's a couple points below, you know, whatever you're seeing elsewhere, well, then you better look to where they're, you know, raking it back in. That's again goes right back to knowing having the right team. 
And I would imagine, not to put words in your mouth so you can tell me if you agree or disagree, but the overall structure and package that, that they put together for you, tailored to, you know, the time frames when it was going to be beneficial to you in a may, way that you were going to be able to get it paid back, you know, as quickly as possible. Um, you know, I don't know if they were or they weren't, but even if they were a couple of basis points higher, probably paid for itself, I would guess. I, and I don't know that they were because after a while it didn't matter. Sure. Um, tell you the two organizations that um, made really made it have it and they're mm-hmm. through the South Dakota economic development and the other was Reed Reed which was rural a economic or rural electric economic development, development. they were unbelievable to oh work my with gosh uh, really that's really what made this all happen yes we didn't even know about these people and our banker he uh, set up a very, very long-term relationship because he could have loaned us all that money and instead he took part of it and then Reed took part of it and then the South Dakota economic development people out of Pierre, they took part of it. And because of that transaction and the way he structured that loan, they his bank didn't make as much per se on that tr- initial transaction but i'll bet you we pay off all those loans within two to three years and what he did though is that he'll have a customer probably for the rest of our lives because how do you forget somebody that did right by you to such a huge extent and that's i think that's all of our businesses you have to uh you have to do what's right for people not just what's right for you so I know I know you guys are both busy guys, and and you've given uh, you know some time this afternoon, which I'm greatly appreciative of. So with that, I'll maybe I'll maybe ask you each for one closing thought, and that might just be well, one you know anything else that you that you want to share and get out, but two, um, you know somebody somebody listening to this is maybe in that position. They're they're working for a company, and and maybe they have uh, dreams of buying it, and and the owners of that company at the time don't know about it, or maybe they're in a similar situation to you guys, where where they're faced with an opportunity to to buy a company knowingly, and are kind of on the precipice of that. What what knowledge or information or insight would you share to somebody? You know, knowing what the last twelve to eighteen months you guys have learned and went through, what would you pass on? I think uh, both Tim and I were very surprised uh, after the opportunity was kind of presented to us, not presented, but brought to us. Um, I know I was for sure surprised at how many people I knew. Um, It's like people started coming out of the woodwork. Uh, You know, I was in touch with you as far as the accounting side of things. I was in in touch with, with other people in the banking industry. Tim was in touch with people in the banking industry that we, we both have known for a long time but not in a business relationship sure and one phone call led to two phone calls led to a lead to talk to someone else and um this whole process wasn't as far-fetched as we probably originally thought it was um so a few phone calls you can get a lot further than than you'd think you know it's i can't i try to think of most people myself for sure I don't know that if anybody ever came up to me and said would you help me that I uh, ever said no and when I think of the people that I know I can't really think of anybody that I know that if someone walked up to him and said hey 
could you help me out? I just need to ask you a couple questions about what it is that you do or how you did something. I can't imagine them, whether they know the guy or not. And so I don't be afraid to stretch out a little bit and just ask. Just like Carl, it's exactly what Carl said. It's, you know, I like we, I didn't know you at all. And Carl really didn't know you either. But he knew somebody that knew you. Yep. And so what that did is gave both of us more of a sense of comfort, you know, that somebody that we trusted, um, you know, said, this is a good guy to talk to. And I would say that that did happen all throughout that process. And it was, it was constant. And it wasn't just about banking and finance. It was about, uh, like for me, inventory management. I called up guys that, I, I was never an operations guy, but I'm calling up you know, heads of operations for multi-billion dollar companies saying, yeah, what's your minimum level of turns that's acceptable for one of your branches? You know, and they're, yeah, no problem. They loved it yeah. because, you know, they're helping somebody succeed. I didn't even tell them that I was starting a business. I just, you know, I'm not, I don't compete against these people and, you know, they know who I am and I and know me. We're not, none of us are friends, really. We just are business acquaintances. But I made that type of phone call numerous times. And I think, you know, and it's amazing what you can get, you know, over a lunch or a cup of coffee. Even the story that you talked about, about, you know, looking at the corporate structure that you guys were planning and then our conversations and kind of revamping that. I mean, that was, that was all over a lunch before you guys were ever clients. And that was, right. just, and that was, you know, that was just, like I said, it's my passion is to help these guys and help them along. And if having a lunch and kind of giving them my ideas and, and exactly to your point about the banker, I mean, I think for all of us, if you just do right by people and put good out there and, and good will come back from it. So it's karma's re- really is real. You do reap what you sow. And there are a ton of good people in this world, way more than there are people you don't want to deal with. And, and I think, you know, to, to both Carl's point about, you know, not having anybody ever tell you no and yours about people answering the phones. I mean, I've read, you know, tons and tons of books and, and uh, where people give that exact same advice. And I think for whatever reason, we have this you know, hesitation to do that, whether, you know, it's like embarrassment or your, that fear of rejection or what it may be. But the, but statistically, I think you guys are dead on. I mean, you just pick up the phone and call or say, and ask the question over the phone or ask somebody to coffee or lunch or whatever the case may be. And, and you're, you're right. I mean, people are just willing to get together and share what they know. Yeah. And we, we spent quite a bit of time talking about the computer system. And that's one thing I did was call lumber yards around the United States and ask them what their system was. And I just randomly called because, you know, as a national rep, so I have all these lumberman books from all over the country and I would just call up, you know, what system do you use? Do you like it? Is there one you'd switch to? And I never did anybody tell me, yeah, I don't care. I don't have time for you. And I didn't call people that I knew because like it goes back to what Carl said. We're in a small business, and we couldn't tell anybody we were buying this. So I had to call people that I didn't know. So, yes, 
That's probably the single biggest piece of advice is you have no idea about the support system that you have unless you reach out and ask for support. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, with that, I thank you guys. Any, any, any final comments, parting comments that either of you would like to share before we sign off here this afternoon? There's Templeton staring at both of us. We better. Yeah, it's, it's five o'clock somewhere. huh? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys. I, I appreciate the time and look forward to seeing your guys' future success. Well, thank you. Thanks. I hope you've enjoyed our chat with Tim and Carl here in episode one of the What My Mom Thinks I Do podcast. If you have any lumber or building supply needs, you can find those guys over at Northern Plains Lumber in Beersford, South Dakota, or online at buynorthern.com. We'd love to hear your feedback on the interview or about other business topics you might be interested in hearing about. You can share those with me online on Twitter at BankTaxBlake or on SoundCloud, where you can just search for the What My Mom Thinks I Do podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.